0: As a pastor, I'm constantly concerned about how to create connections beyond just the weekend services. And one of the valuable tools that we have found for achieving this at our church is our app powered by SubSplash. It's one thing to have an app. It's another thing to have an app that has the ability to allow your community to access messages, resources, and even give. And SubSplash created that for us. It's become our go-to platform for connecting with our congregation in ways we never could have before. Subsplash is so much more than just a platform or even just an app it brings people together empowers giving and transforms lives If you're interested in learning more, I encourage you to visit their website at subsplash.com That's s-u-b-s-p-l-a-s-h dot com subsplash.com Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. Join us each week as we work to make faith simple. This is Simple Faith. Hey, welcome to Simple Faith. My name is Rusty George. We are so glad to have you with us. I want to thank our sponsors at Subsplash again for their continuous sponsorship of the podcast. They do such great work over there, and if you're looking to get an app, If you're looking to connect your church 24-7, not just on Sundays, check out Subsplash and all they have to offer. Hey, today, for anybody out there starting out the beginning of their year thinking, I really ought to grow my faith a little bit. I really ought to sharpen my skills with my Bible or prayer time. I'd really love to to hear from God. That would be great. What if the year of 2024, I had a relationship with Jesus, not just a religion on Sunday? If that's you, this conversation day is going to help you. I met this pastor over the summer, his name is Troy Kennedy, he leads the spiritual development of the fine people at Westside Family Church in Lenexa, Kansas, right outside of the great city of Kansas City, and I had a chance to uh, talk with him and get a copy of his brand new book where he talks about spiritual formation and following Jesus. It's a great resource that's going to give you not only information, but practical application as well. So I asked him to come on the show. We had a great conversation, and I think you're really going to be blessed by what he has to say. So here's my conversation with Pastor Troy Kennedy. Troy Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us on Simple Faith. Uh, I want to ask you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself, because you've actually spent some time in California. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did. I actually spent most of my ministry in California. Um in the los angeles and orange county areas and uh i met my wife there i uh, i went to school at azusa pacific university i got a degree in music theory at azusa yeah yeah go figure right I was a kind of a masochist and <laughs> um and i spent most of my adult life in in worship ministry in local churches and uh, worked at a few different churches in the los angeles area and um, spent a few years at saddleback church uh back in the day when they had midweek services wow i was the midweek worship guy wow and um that which was great great fun i had a great time i loved working with rick and um and with rick mucha and that whole team i met steve Gladen in there uh when he was there and so um i think you were mutual friends of steve's right mm-hmm. so just a terrific guy and uh and then went back it was another church in la and then god called my wife and i to a wonderful church in kansas city and uh, which I know is you know near and dear to your heart. <laughs> yes it is.
0: Yes it is and th- and that's where we met. I had a chance to speak up at West Side family uh-huh. over the summer and uh, loved it and loved getting the to- to know you and uh, pick up your new book, which I'm excited to talk to our listeners about. But before we get into that, yeah. I, I just got to ask everybody who works with Rick Warren, <laughs> first of all, says he, he's the real deal. Uh, he is, yeah. you know, same offstage as he is on stage, which is always great to hear. But do you have a funny, Rick story. Oh yeah, uh, his wife was on the podcast with me one time and talked about people pushing her out of the way to get to him, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah, or maybe it's just you know in in worship music, it might be him changing everything at the
1: last minute. Or uh, oh boy, a fun Rick story. Yeah, well, yeah, he was notorious for having a great idea on Thursday. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think one of the coolest things was it was actually after I was no longer working there and I was leading worship at an event at a Billy Graham crusade in Pasadena at the Rose bowl. Mm. And I'll never forget this guy had just, my wife and I had just had our second son and he was just an infant and I'm on stage and I'm playing, I'm leading worship. And I look out in the audience and I see Rick, whom I didn't know was going to be there standing there holding my newborn child. (laughs) And, uh, which was like, Hey, I'm like, first of all, hi. And then, Hey, that's my kid. Um, and so Rick is just being Rick, you know, he's this magnanimous personality that just loves and hugs everybody conceivable, you know, in the days before COVID. Mm, Right. Um, And, uh, and then what was really cool is what we got to do. Um, was it last summer? Uh, we went out to California to, um, or yeah, it was last summer, summer to drop my son off at Biola university and uh, he was gonna be a freshman at biola and we were in orange county and i thought hey let's go visit saddleback and then we find out we show up at saddleback and it's rick's last sunday as the senior pastor of saddleback church wow and it was insane so everybody is there everybody wants a piece of rick he has this little uh line of people who want to greet him and say thank you and everything for all your work and i'm there with that same infant son who is now taller than i am Hmm and we got to go and he got to meet rick and i said hey rick you know if you remember but you held him as a baby when we were at the billy graham crusade and he's like of course oh sure i remember troy (laughs) yeah boy he sure grew up you know so so my son is as tall as Rick is now and uh, and we just kind of got to see the bookends of that that life and that ministry and so mm. um, I just got a lot of love and respect for Rick he's a terrific guy
0: Yeah, that's fantastic love hearing those stories of uh, guys that finish strong finish well that's uh, so good yeah well you have written this book on spiritual formation and that's primarily your work Your uh, your book as a more of a, a daily reader to help people in their journey of following Jesus but I, I want to jump into spiritual formation because for those of us that live in the church world, it's a term that we're familiar with, but for for those who may not necessarily eat, sleep, and drink church,
1: what (laughs) is that? What does that mean? Uh, Can you define that for our audience? Yeah, you know, spiritual formation is one of those... I for years and years I thought it was just this nebulous term. I don't know if it's like interchangeable with discipleship or interchangeable with spiritual growth. Or mm-hmm. I just really didn't have a good handle on that. And um, as I've gotten older and I've you know I've actually moved out of the worship lane more into the discipleship lane. Um, I really discovered the work of dallas willard mm. um, and i've been familiar with dallas for, for years and you know guys like him and richard foster james Bryan smith those guys who are all wonderful but uh i just didn't know and so as i'm reading dallas he talks a lot about spiritual formation and so as i have gleaned it from him and this whole movement like the renovare movement and all of those folks who are really up to their eyeballs in this idea of spiritual formation is that first of all everyone has a spiritual formation everyone is spiritually formed um, by something and actually apart from christ we are spiritually malformed we are spiritually deformed we uh apart from the influence of the holy spirit and depending on what you believe about you know the na- sin nature of human beings at the very least we all have an original sin and at the very least we are all formed by those influences that around us in a broken world and so our spirits are malformed in these ways and when we come to Christ we actually have the opportunity to be spiritually reformed hmm. and formed in the image of Jesus by the power of the holy spirit who is within us and so all that to say that everyone has a spiritual formation and we got to ask ourselves what influence are we submitting to in the formation of our spirits and our souls Wow, that's really good. So, yeah, I, I love those names that you reference
0: there. Yeah. Never got a chance to meet or interview uh, Dallas Willard, but uh, uh-huh. Jim Smith has been a guest on the podcast, a fellow Kansan. Yeah, um, he's uh, his writings have just been incredible. Uh, when you think about spiritual formation over the history of the church, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. okay, there's the disciplines that Richard Foster talks about, but then we can go all the way back to the Catholic Church and, right. you know, the self-flagellations and the things that people would do to harm themselves to try to form their their behavior and their spirit. Right. What's kind of been the history? And would would the disciples and the gospel writers, would they have even had a term for this? Right. Or, you know, would, would that have all been you know,
1: weird to them or how would they have defined it? how's it progressed over time? Well, it's interesting you should say that because that was probably one of the reasons why I avoided it mm. for so many years, Right? because it felt at least the way I had heard about it. When we talk about spiritual disciplines, right? Um, it felt more like a man-made construct than something that was prescribed by scripture for us. And so, you know, looking back through the New Testament, it's like, of course, people prayed. Of course, people, you see evidence of people fasting. Of course, you see evidence of people, you know, these rhythms. But it wasn't something like, okay, now go do this in a formulaic way to accomplish these purposes. I just, I couldn't get that in my own reading of the New Testament. And then when I heard people talk about spiritual disciplines, which is sort of integral to the spiritual formation movement, um, the word discipline doesn't sound great you know, it, I'm like, oh, that's not very appealing. I'm, um, <laughs> and I'm, and being a good evangelical, I have like, I've grew up with this, uh, sort of allergy to anything that felt liturgical or felt like, uh, like a rote kind of experience. So, and I'm, I'd say, there's some truth to that, but there's also, you're also missing a lot if that's the only way you perceive these things. So in the early church, Obviously, you know, they were given letters from the Apostle Paul and they would read them in their services. And then you see uh, Jesus assumes that his disciples will be fasting. He doesn't command them to fast, but he says that when they do, this is how you should do it, right? That's good, yeah. he teaches them. He teaches them how to pray. They ask, how should we pray? He said, well, pray like this. And so we see examples of some prescriptions or assumptions in the New Testament that wound up I believe, evolving into more or less what we call spiritual disciplines over time and got adopted in the early church as things that were necessary um, for the Christ follower or for the Christian to uh, be more spiritually influential, more mature. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you can go forward throughout you know history and you get different uh, monastic movements that adopt different things like praying the hours. Um, which is something I actually do and I really love, mm-hmm. but but doing something that felt like so, um, felt legalistic to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why I kind of avoided it. And as I'll now, I'm, you know, I'm older and I'm more mature and I've kind of opened up my heart a bit more. I, I'm, I'm actually seeing these things as like, well, are these indeed ways that we can get closer to the Savior? Are these really mm. helpful or? Is the activity the issue, or is it our motive behind the activity the issue? And I tend to think that is it is the heart behind the action that needs the recalibration. The actions are not intrinsically a problem. It's how we approach them. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so what would be a faulty um, approach or attitude that that is common for a lot of us? Yeah, I think it, it can be, well, like, for instance, the Pharisees, you know, they wanted to be uh they wanted to crush sabbath right mm-hmm, right <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're awesome at sabbath so we actually turned sabbath into more work than not doing sabbath right because they piled on all these rules and regulations on top of what it is to rest so rest became work mm-hmm. right so it, it it's uh it becomes a legalism it can become something that's self-congratulatory hmm. it can be something that is um more a sense of duty mm right or a sense of uh self-elevation so it's like the point of fasting is not to get awesome at fasting the point of being uh a a practicing solitude is not so that you're like you know (laughs) you're awesome at being alone and you (laughs) never need to interact with other people it's it's funny that you when you look back in church history sometimes they what gets rewarded um is very very odd i remember going to Uh, the Ukraine several years ago to do a, a, we're working at a worship conference there in Kiev and they took us by a, uh, one of these Russian Orthodox churches and (laughs) they had this place where they were telling us, well, here's where this famous monk was walled up inside this, this place. Nobody else could get in. They would feed him through a hole in the wall and he was the holiest guy in town. (laughs) And uh, it seems like, (laughs) okay there's a heart there's a heart there like you talk about self-flagellation right there's a heart there that is like wanting to be pleasing to god wanting but the the motive got real goofy Mm -hmm. and because how can you possibly assume that you're going to become a disciple that is a student or an imitator of jesus and you're going to wall yourself off from the rest of humanity Mm. and so I think there's some good intentions, and then I think it gets really convoluted. and we're certainly capable of that today. Mm-hmm. You know, I think our human default is towards legalism. Our human default is for to perform. Mm-hmm. We always feel like we have to earn something before God. and it's part of it is an inadequacy and insecurity. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is it's to maybe if I do this just the right way, I'm obligating God to myself. Mm-hmm. He owes me something, Mm -hmm. you know, and we kind of, we treat God like he's the landlord on the second floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, so look, I'm awesome at fasting. (laughs) I'm I'm awesome at being alone. Um, I pay my rent on time and I take my, my trash cans out to the curb when I'm supposed to. So get down here and fix my garbage disposal. Right. But God is not the landlord on the second floor. Right. And uh, he's not obligated to us. He's our father. He's a heavenly father who wants to bless us. And so these, these practices, which is what I refer to them in the book it are, I believe if they're approached with the right heart motive can be extraordinarily beneficial and healthy. But if the why behind the what is skewed, they can actually, I think, become counterproductive and mm-hmm. uh, actually become obstacles mm-hmm. in our spiritual lives. Kind of like the guy yeah. walled up you know, in, in the, the monastery in the Ukraine.
0: That's so true. Hey, let me interrupt for just a second. If you're a church leader and your church does not have an app or your app seems to be a little bit limited, check out subsplash.com as a great resource to really give your app all the horsepower that it needs. You can connect people, you can help them get access to messages, and you can help them set up recurring giving, which is a game changer when it comes to resourcing your ministry. Subsplash.com. Okay, back to our episode. Well, I think we've all known somebody in our life and in our past and maybe been that somebody who's really good at reading their Bible, but they're just mean. (laughs) They're just angry all the time. It's been a discipline, but it hasn't uh, changed their life. Uh, I think that's a perfect segue of what you were talking about in regards to a relationship with God into your book, Mm -hmm. Hero Worship. Tell us a little bit about where that came from and
1: what your goal of this book is. Yeah, well, you know, the story behind the book was it was real personal and ended up broadening out to being something more for other people because mm-hmm. i got to the point where i was pretty dissatisfied in my own spiritual life i was mm. i've been a pastor for a long time i've been a christian for a long time i've been up to my eyeballs and christian stuff for a really really long time all in man 100 and and yet when i read that jesus he says i came to give you life and life more abundant more fulfilling more whole and you read you know you get into the greek behind the the letters of paul and he talks about the zoe life right this this all-encompassing whole fullness of life and i'm sitting here going i don't i don't think i have that Mm. i don't think i'm experiencing that and then uh i got a hold of john 15 Mm. and it's not like i hadn't read it before but just for some reason that the Lord shone a light on that for me. And we had done a series here at Westside on, on John 15, about what is it to abide in Christ, which is not a word we use very much anywhere else, Mm -hmm. or remain in Christ. The word, a Greek word is menos. It means just to kind of find your home in, to rest in, to be residing in Jesus. And then Jesus says, yeah. So if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, I'm going, okay well, I'm not experiencing the spiritual life that I think Jesus intends for me. Mm. Well, what am I doing wrong? Or am I doing something wrong? And I think what God was eventually just kind of illuminating for me is that it is not about what I'm doing. And it's not about me like, you know, a tree doesn't bear down to bear fruit, right? Mm. Like you got an orange tree and it's like, <gasps> It just pops out. I mean, it's just like, it's an absurd thought. And it's like, as a Christ follower, am I just going to bear down and decide to bear more fruit? Mm. And it does. It just doesn't work that way. And Jesus said, would you relax mm. and quit trying so hard? Would you rest in me? Your, your yoke is too heavy, man. You're working too hard. You're trying too hard. I just want to know you. Mm-hmm. I want to walk with you. I want to be in coming and going daily, intimate relationship with you. And so abide in me and let my words abide in you, right? Take my yoke upon you for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your soul. You know, I am your shepherd. I'm going to make you down, lie down in green pastures. I'm going to lead you beside still waters. I'm going to restore your soul. I, he's, he's promising this... Life of rest and fruitfulness if I will abide, if I will rest in him. Mm. And so it's like, well, that's what I want. <laughs> I want that life. I, whatever that is, I want that. I want God to live out his fruitfulness through me because just by sheer mm. power of my own will, I'm just I'm tired of trying to be a good boy. Right. I'm tired of trying to be a good pastor, to be a good husband, to be to be a good uh, father. I'm tired of trying and feeling like I'm failing all the time. I want to be rewired from the inside out. Mm. I want you to change me. And so if I'm going to abide, what does that mean? What position do I put myself in for that to occur? Mm-hmm. And so hero worship is my attempt to... Mm paint the picture of of how does one put yourself in just the it's it's a it's active and passive in a way at the same time and the other piece of that is we talked about the monastic movements and the early church spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation is like Hmm. I I'm not I'm suspicious of things that just get passed on to me just by virtue of tradition like I said it's a good the good evangelical in me does just doesn't accept those things um, but what I do accept is the life I see in the gospels. Mm-hmm. What I do accept is Jesus as the source of life and the, the one who loves me and wants to give me more life, not less. Mm. So that's good. how do I put myself in that position to receive everything he's wanting to give me and why am I getting in my own way? Mm-hmm. So the motive behind these things has got to be love.
0: Mm.
1: It's just got to be, and that's why i call it hero worship right because when you have a hero someone that you admire what the the normal response to that is to want to be like them right you know every kid in the 90s at the height of the chicago bulls you know um wanted to be like michael jordan and he'd buy his shoes and they'd stick their tongue out the side of their mouth when they were you know shooting and i mean you would just everything was about michael let's be like mike Mm -hmm. and it's like if i admire jesus if i love jesus and my desire is to get closer to him i think that is sustainable i think that is fruitful i think that's what it means to abide and then these practices which aren't pure spiritual disciplines these practices are motivated by a desire to be like him Mm. right so that's sort of the I guess for me, that's turning the gym a little bit differently when we approach spiritual formation. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I love that. That's really, really good. And I, I love taking it back to John 15. One of the things I really enjoyed about the book was actually in the intro, mm-hmm. uh, where you kind of set up for how to use this book, how to get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about you know, this is not a, you know, start at page one and read right through, which you can, but it's more of a bite-sized daily reader, um, right. and even corresponds well with being in church as well, because a lot, you know, has been said about, I can be spiritual without being in
1: a church. Yeah. How do these things partner together? How to use this book? Yeah. Um, well, so when I, when I initially was just ideating about this and trying to figure out, well, what, you know, what is it that I want? Um, and my thought was, well, how do, obviously that's, it's not just about me. <laughs> um, my wife and I have hosted a young adult group in our home for, gosh, it has to be nine, 10 years now. Um, in their 20-somethings, maybe early 30s, single and married. And, uh, and so in shepherding that little community and having been with them for a while and done weddings and things, I'm like, going well, well, the, the natural um, outcome of this is for me to share what I'm learning with them. And so what it ended up being was uh how can we actively pursue jesus in these things and imitate him in the most practical ways um and how and is there maybe a journey or a structured journey that would facilitate this for people in really meaningful transformative ways and so i looked at the book um as there are 11 i'm calling practices in there that i believe are observable in the life of jesus mm. some of them would be considered more tr- traditional spiritual disciplines prayer scripture fasting uh, solitude some of them are not some of them are just things i think we see in l- the life of jesus and there are things that we can readily imitate or pursue mm-hmm. um as opposed to like, well, I'm not going to be raising the dead anytime soon. Um, I'm probably not going to heal a blind guy. But you know what I can do? I can enter into the hurts of another person. I can celebrate the joys with another person. And I can do that with the intentionality of imitating Jesus. So the first chapter of the book is is uh, it's an introduction to sort of frame the motives and the heart behind all of this. And then there are 11 chapters that are meant to be walked through a week at a time um, in some practice in the imitation of christ so there's uh like the first day you would read a real short chapter and then the next six days you actually um you're memorizing scripture there you're spending time with questions that focus you on a certain aspect of that scripture or a passage related to the practice and then You're encouraged to journal, uh, write down, even if it's just one sentence, about what it is Jesus is revealing to you as you are intentionally carving out time to be with Him and imitate Him. Mm. And so each then there's eleven of those practices that you do for, you know, it ends up being a twelve week journey. And um, I've I probably run a hundred people through it at this point and. It's interesting people glean different things all the time from it. And, uh, it's really beautiful and really rich. And I feel like it just, the Lord just kind of gifted me with something that ultimately was, I was trying to discover something for myself. Mm. And then he's kind of expanded that for, to whatever degree that he's going to expand it with others.
0: Mm. That's so good. Well, I love it. And I think everybody else will love it too.
1: What's the easiest way for somebody to pick this up? Uh, well, it's available at Amazon. You know, um, Troy Kennedy, it's called Hero Worship, A 12-Week Journey to Become More Like Jesus. And you can also get it on christianbook.com. Okay. Um, and I uh, actually recorded a uh, 12-week accompanying podcast for oh, great. Hero Worship. So that there would be uh, just a, like maybe a 15 to 20-minute little something from me to help augment each week's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if people are interested in that. Um, you you know you can get pick that up at my website troymkennedy.com and um, and actually the book is uh, up on christianbook.com as well and I'm currently working on the audiobook for that that's fantastic well
0: this has been great I know a lot of people are going to pick that up and love it so thank you so much for your time today thanks for writing it I know how difficult it is to actually put pen to paper or in this case yeah um, you know key to screen whatever it is Uh, but uh, you did a great job and it will be well worth it for those who read it well it's a real privilege for me thanks so much Rusty well thanks so much Troy it's such great content for us today I encourage everybody to pick up that book and read that this year you probably knock it out this first month of the year and uh, get some people together and talk about it as well hey next week we'll be back with a special uh, tribute to Martin Luther King as we approach Martin Luther King day. And encourage you to be with us for that. And thank you for being a part of the show. And if you have not yet subscribed, please do so. If you haven't left a review, I would love it if you'd leave a review. That means so much to me. And we'll be back next week with brand new content. As always, keep it simple.